Well, good evening, LCM. Tonight is February 24th, 2021, and it's such a good evening to be here with you guys, with the very family of God. Look, the truth is, is we've been dialing in. That's been the series since January 20th. Aren't you proud of us? This has been, this is going to be the 11th sermon that we've been trying to dial in and work with what God has said. Number 11, we've been dialing in discernment. We call the entire series Dialing In. And we dialed in different things along the way. We took a while and we worked on dialing in our discernment because that's kind of at the heartbeat of all of this. We've dialed in our deeds. We've dialed in distinction. We've dialed in divine design inside of each one of us. And we are working towards something here. We are not done. But I got to give you a little hint. On Sunday, we're going to start a new series. But before we leave this series... We got something incredibly good for you tonight. Everybody turn in the word, in your sword, in your hard copy of the Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 11 through 13. This is actually the scripture that we began our New Year's Eve time together this year with you on. Come on, it's nice to kind of dial in and figure out some things, isn't it? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 says this. We've spoken freely to you, LCM, yeah. and open wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding, withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair change, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. This yeah. is where we began with this scripture, and I just have to say that there is no fussing from the stage. We're actually saying you have, in fact, opened your hearts wide to what the Lord is doing. We can see it in your lives. We can see it on your faces. We understand that what God is doing in our midst is he is creating incredible motion. It's almost like he is breaking away open before us, and we are are falling in into the wake of his power as it goes forward. God is doing something in our midst, and it's not just with a few in here. I can feel it inside of my soul that God is bringing along every man and every woman. And that should bring such confidence to you tonight. God's not leaving you out, I promise you. He is pulling you along and he wants you to jump in with what God's doing. And that has become because you have all opened your hearts to what God is doing. And we just want to tell you as we open up tonight, we're so proud of you. And God is able to work with people who are doing this. Let's all turn to Exodus chapter 13. As you turn there, can you believe it that we're 11 messages into the series? And that since the beginning of the year, God has been giving us clear direction, the right word for the right time, and enabling everyone within our church, everyone within this body, to open wide their hearts and participate. I mean, we got singles getting secure in who they are, finding the right target. We have marriages that are maximizing. Come on. Loud amen. Amen. We have our, our parenting that's getting perfected, learning how to make right impact. See, God is enabling us to have all areas strengthened and secured so that we can understand that we have all that we need to do what he's called us to do. So Exodus 13, verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. 
He said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. Help remind me, where exactly is this place? It is Egypt, and there's this tiny little section that the Egyptians really despised, but gave it to Israel anyway, particularly where Joseph's bones would have been. Goshen. Goshen. I want to make sure you're helping me stay on track. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate that. Verse 20. After leaving Sukkot, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light. So that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So let's begin to tie some things here together in this one passage. We have Joseph. We have his bones that are buried in Goshen. The people are beginning to exit out of Egypt and begin the call of deliverance that God had always ordained for them to be. Now, just in this thought of Goshen, God made a distinction among his people with this land of Goshen. His light dwelled within Goshen. And on those days of the plagues where God was judging the gods of Egypt, God made that distinction known because there was light in Goshen. When there was darkness, it could be felt everywhere else. Well, here we have the people exiting out of Egypt and exiting out of Goshen. But what you should see clearly is that that light that was in Goshen never left the people. That same light that was giving distinction in Goshen is now the very thing that is giving them direction in the desert. See, God's presence is there to be with you, and he's going to ensure that you have everything you need because you are his people, you are with him, and therefore his presence is going to be visibly with you. Come on, do you understand what that means for us here in this room tonight? It's not just a singular place. You realize that the light of the Lord begins to lead the people wherever that they need to go. Let's look at Exodus chapter 14 to see how this begins to work in a very practical way. Exodus 14, and we're going to start in verse 10. Wow, it sounds like all of our microphones tonight are breaking up, but we know that what that means. We know that we just got to dial in our attention because God is going to, we'll do this without a mic like we did last week. We are not afraid of this. So y'all dial it in here with us and make sure that we're all catching this. We're going to be reading in Exodus chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 10, and we're going to be reading to you today from the ESV in this passage of Scripture. Oh, amen. It says, when Pharaoh drew near. So what Pastor just read to you was the end of chapter 13. Okay, the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt And God is saying, I've got my fire, my light, the cloud of my presence that's leading you. As Pharaoh draws near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. They lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly. God is moving in their behalf. He has just finished with ten plagues, and they're looking up and seeing an army be like, I don't know about all this. It's one thing with plagues to come in. Now they're looking at an army, men who are battle-hardened and ready to come in and fight and take their lives. They feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Wouldn't you expect the next words to be, and then they said to the Lord? And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, 
How are you crying out to the Lord and then speaking to Moses? You know exactly what that, that's like. Oh. <laughs> Something starts happening on the inside. You're like, ah! And then you begin to speak. They said to Moses, it is, because there are, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us Ooh. out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die out here in the wilderness. Can I, can, can I show you something here tonight that is going to be very pertinent to each of us? See, this is so good. This is in Exodus 14. But what you're seeing here is the internal chaos of a group of people. You're seeing the tohu vavohu that's on the inside of the people. What yeah. does that begin to do inside of somebody when you got some chaos going on on the inside? It's going to end up coming out. How does it end yeah. up coming out? You start striving for things. Somebody say strive. Oh, striving. You start striving for the things that are there. You start blaming other people for what's going on. You start having a revisionist perspective on everything in your life. Let me explain to make sure that everybody yeah, understands what a revisionist perspective is. See, a revisionist perspective is you start thinking about your own past in a way that ain't real. Mm. You start daydreaming and remembering and saying, you know, it had just been better had we stayed back there. You know, well, we got to eat all the leeks and onions that we wanted there. Except for the fact that that's not at all true. Pastor, my life was not difficult until I started coming to LCM. Yes, clearly. That was your problem. It was so good back then and so easy. Do you remember how much you were crying out to the Lord in your misery? As a matter of fact, that's what he heard, and that's why he sent you here. But that internal chaos causes you to start striving for something. You're, you're trying to be something as opposed to letting God work through you and work in you. See, the reason it's taken to sermon number 11 is that there are, 11 other, there are 10 other dials that we had to start dialing in before we could get to this one. True. Ask our elders. We had this sermon in mind back in December. We did. But we couldn't get to it yet because you have to dial in some other things before you're even ready to hear this one. See, when you have fear that is greatly attacking your heart, it is faithlessness in what God can do. Now, it doesn't matter that moments before, that days before, he had just completed, the Lord had just completed 10 plagues on Egypt. He was judging the gods of Egypt. It didn't matter that mere days before, God had just crushed the enemy, and they said, please go and take all of our good belongings with you. Here, here's gold. Here's, here, let us, let us make sure that we payroll what you're doing. You guys just go. And now we're in a place where we're revising what actual reality is. We're blaming others, and we're striving in every way. And it's showing an internal chaos that's driven by faithlessness in our hearts. See, we're getting at some faithlessness in our hearts today. Man, with the Lord doing so many good things, we're actually at a point where you can see those areas that you're still faithless because it's producing internal chaos inside of you. And the Lord is going to help us today. The Lord is going to help us today for you to be able to overcome those chaotic thoughts. Even in the midst of this incredible church, anybody get tense on the inside? 
Anybody realize it just kind of starts welling up in you? Yes. Some of you, I could see it. It's literally like a thermometer. It just comes up your neck and you get splotchy in your face. If only it were that easy for you to see it in yourself. But the Lord is going to make it that clear to us tonight. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Somebody say crushing chaos. That's what we're going to do. Verse 13, let's continue. And Moses said to the people, fear not. Let's put this in the vernacular we've been using quite frequently here. Faithless not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. You hear the certainty in Moses' command to the people. For the Egyptians whom you see today. Now, these Egyptians, they were real people, right? Real chariots, real warriors, real army. Something that is tangibly seen. However, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will, second time mentioned now, will fight for you. And you have to only be silent. Hmm. So we have fear not, stand firm, and all you have to do is be silent. Now, it picks up with something interesting here, as opposed to fearing not and just being silent. The Lord said to Moses, so this previously was Moses saying to the people. Now the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? How many times are we in a position where we are giving someone the perfect advice? But we need that exact same advice spoken to us. We're giving the right medicine to everybody else, but we are suffering of the same sickness. This is, this is a, a Lord and a God who's being a good father to Moses. Can I tell you, as pastors, the things that we're preaching, we're preaching to us first. This is what the Lord is dealing with us about. And we're sharing with you our engagement about what God is telling us. In the same way, the Lord tells Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Now, if Moses wanted to get really technical here, he would have said, I thought you told me to be silent. Tell the people to move forward. So which one is it? Stop your faithless behavior is the overall tenor that Moses is telling Israel and that God is telling Moses. The combination here is fear not, be faithless not and stand firm. This means having a faith-filled behavior, a stance that says, I know and I trust God more than what I see with my own natural eyes. I know and trust God more than what I feel, more than all the pressure that is welling up inside of me. I am turning to a human barometer here. The pressure is rising, and everybody can see my eyeballs bulging out. And that step that goes with it is be quiet. There's a reason why you got to be quiet. Because you have to move forward. How many times have you been stopped in your tracks from just doing something very simple like getting the whole family into the car because you started having a fight with yourself? An internal argument. Well, I need this. Everybody's waiting on you. You have no ability to move forward. So we're going to fear not, we're going to stand firm, and we're going to be quiet. But I want to combine this in an even condensed version. It's easier for us to remember. In fact, after much search on the Google today, 
I found a, a meme that is very appropriate for us to be uh, cognizant of this condensed version. Let's put up the, the title slide. Be quiet and speak up. Now, you probably saw this coming because at the first of the year, we said we were going to preach on be quiet and speak up. But as we go through this, I want you to know your pastors are speaking directly to you. Every example that we're using, we're pulling it directly from our own lives and your lives so that as a church, we know how to rightly stand in the midst of trouble and clearly hear from God about how to move forward. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, be quiet. Be quiet. And speak up. Talk to the other one that you didn't want to talk to, the one that you turned away from intentionally. Say, be quiet and speak up. Everybody turn with us to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 9. I have to be honest, as pastor was speaking, I began to contemplate my own parenting. Maybe I got confused standing on the stage about which night we're on, but, but I started thinking about my own parenting. And I realized that how much I want it to be quiet when I need to make a decision. <laughs> Hun, I don't care what you do, but I want everybody to be quiet now. It's usually much more... Uh, uh, Gentler? No, it's definitely not more gentle. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to help you. The word that came to mind was violent. <laughs> it's a much more violent response from me. When someone needs you to make a decision... Whether it's a kid, hey, mom, 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 I need mom. I'm, shush! You don't make your best decisions when there's chaos on the outside. You will not make your best decisions when there's chaos on the inside. You got to learn how to say, tell some things to just be quiet. Those thoughts, those fears, that's what we're talking about tonight. This is not just some esoteric thought. This is what we are dealing with. Those thoughts that you have that are racing, and we're going to teach you how to make them just be quiet tonight so Amen. that you can speak up and act up and do the right things that God has for you. Look at Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 9. Somebody say, be quiet when you get there. And Nehemiah, who was governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe and the Levites taught the people who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord, your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the people wept as they heard the words of the Lord. We're actually about to get to an incredible day in the history of Israel right here in Nehemiah. We're about to get to some type of celebration that the Bible goes on to say that it hadn't happened like this until it was back in Joshua's day. You're about to get to some kind of special Sukkot-like festival that the people are getting to. But as they're hearing the words of the Lord, their response is not mirroring what God is feeling. Their response is to begin to weep and to mourn as they are hearing the word of God. Let me tell you why that they are feeling wrongly about hearing the word of the Lord. It's not that they're not happy to be receiving the word. It's because they have a chaotic spirit inside of them, a chaotic thought process that they're having to quieten here. They're having to make it be quiet with them here. What causes weeping 
during holy days? Before I answer that question, can somebody acknowledge that we're in holy days right now in our church? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you acknowledge that God is doing something and what he's doing here is absolutely of a supernatural character? If he is doing something supernatural here, then why is it that some of us are fretting so much about what's going on around us? Why is it that there's such chaos within us? It's because we need to quiet that chaos. We need to crush that chaos inside of us. So what causes weeping during holy days? Maybe sometimes it's just us striving to try to do more than what God has assigned us to do right now. Maybe you're wanting to be further along in the process than you are right now, not realizing that if you actually just took an assessment of your life, that where you have come from, that where you are now is light years from where you've come from. That you can feel that God is causing you to move. You can feel that he's speaking to you on the regular. On the regular basis, he is speaking to you. He's addressing your fears. He's addressing your concerns. And yet there's some type of weeping that's going on on the inside. you got to have to tell that to be quiet. You're going to have to quiet those thoughts on the inside of you. Anybody ever been disappointed in your progress? Yes. Anybody been disappointed in your progress real, real recently? You're weeping in the midst of holy days. This is not the right season for you to be weeping. This is not the right season for you to have chaos on the inside while God is moving so powerfully in our midst. You got to pay attention to what's going on. You got to get that thing inside of you to be quiet so you could speak the very words of God. And maybe it's not so much that we're asking you to preach, but maybe what you're saying to yourself, maybe what you're saying to your wife, maybe what you're saying to your kids, you got to be quiet so you can speak up and reflect what God is doing inside yes. of our midst. Amen. Come on now. Maybe you compare yourself to other people. And that creates some weeping on the inside of you. Oh, we don't do that. <laughs> That's my official commentary on what that thought is. Of course you do. At least when you have a chaotic heart. Yeah. Maybe you're not even comparing yourself to somebody else. Like, like I already kind of know where I stand and I'm not comparing. I can enjoy somebody else's giftings. Maybe you're comparing yourself to an idealized version of what it should be. Maybe you're comparing yourself to what the end product of your life is, and you're not at the end product of your life. But the Lord said this. Yes, and he will help you to come about. He will bring that about. But you're just not fully there yet. And you even acknowledge that you're growing towards it. And still get upset on the inside. Am I preaching to you or not? Yes. Do you know the secret revelation that came to me? It's because I've lived every one of these things. See, God is going to teach you. This is not the time to weep. These are holy days that you're in. Amen. This is time to stand up, tell those chaotic thoughts to just be quiet, and you're going to speak up with exactly what the Lord has for you. Amen. Let's continue on in verse 10. Are you all ready? Yeah. Then he said to them, Go your way. 
eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our God. And do not be grieved. He's reminding him again. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see the surrounding context of a scripture that has been so familiar to us? That what's happening in the people's hearts, God is wanting to turn their attention away from their grief to be quiet in their souls and begin to focus on what he has been accomplishing. That's the equivalent of looking out and saying, this year, 2021, how much has God maximized our marriages in this place? How much has God already given us to perfect our parenting? How much has he helped us become storehouses of gratefulness and show us now 11 times how to dial in our discernment? So all those inner thoughts of chaos that say, I just can't really hear from God. I look around. Everybody else does, but I can't. No. Tell it to be quiet in the name of Jesus. Ray, I see you laughing. That's exactly what goes on inside you, right? Yes, it does. I know. We talk a lot of times. <laughs> well, watch how this verse continues. It gets even better. So the Levites calmed all the people. What do Levitical priests, what do pastors do all day? We calm all the people. And I will tell you exactly how we do it. Exactly what they say here. That all the people, all the Levites calmed all the people by saying, be quiet. And not just for the sake of being quiet. Be quiet for this day is holy recognize what God is doing in your midst, that he is greater than whatever else is going on in the chaos of your soul. Do not be grieved. And all the people went on their way to eat and drink and to send portions. And get this, to make great rejoicing. That's exactly what they did. They went and made great rejoicing. Got all their tools out, went to Home Depot, and pow, 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 they made great rejoicing. What does it look like to begin to speak up after you've quieted your soul, uttering the very words that God wants you to because you recognize the day is holy? It is joy coming out of your mouth. It is proclaiming to the heavens, not just with a smile like, mm-hmm, doing good. No, it's great rejoicing that is filling the heavens. You want to shake the demons in their boots by saying the name of Jesus? Do it with great rejoicing. Let it fill the heavenly realms. Let the whole world know why your God is so great. No room for grieving. To make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. You know what was really happening here? It's what we've been saying for the, the past couple of weeks, but very plainly last Sunday. They were more focused on who God is than who they were. They were more focused at this point on his holiness and instead of their own disappointment about the lack that they had. See, when we begin to command our soul to be quiet, crushing that inner chaos, we're doing the exact same thing that God did on the very first day. 
when there was tohu vavohu over the face of the earth. And his word that brings separation between light and darkness enters into our own inner soul and it begins to restore. It begins to create. It begins to bring things to the surface that comes to life. And you see how this passage, how it concluded? Why were they able to do this? Because they had understood the words that were declared to them. We'll say it over and over and over again. The word fixes everything. And it's aimed primarily at fixing the inner chaos in your own soul. Come on, somebody say that's a good word. word. See, somebody say be quiet. Be quiet. And speak up. And speak up. This is what God is showing us. He's showing us how to do this. Look at let's look at 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're gonna start in verse 11. Somebody say, be quiet when you get there. Get it. Come on now, say it like a parent who's, who's trying to get the attention of a child who just won't be, who just needs to be quiet. Come on. Yeah, that. Callate. <laughs> there you go, Marlon. Whatever language you're saying it in, we all know what it is as parents. First Kings chapter 19. Before we read the passage, let me give you just a little bit of context here. In 1 Kings 18, we get the the epic showdown between Elijah and all the false prophets. The prophets of Baal and the other prophets. These 850 men that are against this one single guy, and he calls fire down from heaven. That's not even the end of that last chapter. He then prays and watches the clouds to send the rain, the size of a man's hand that is starting to come. The rain is about to get back on the land. That's not enough. We're still not done with 18. Then he tucks his garments in his belt and outruns a chariot somewhere around 40 miles. How was your day today? (laughs) What'd you get done today? Then that Jezebel says, as sure as God lives, I will kill you by tomorrow. And our brother falls apart. He goes, sits under a tree, and asks God to kill him. At least it's just Elijah that has like these mood swings, right? (laughs) Between God moving mightily, you're like, yes, I can conquer all. And then within 24 hours, you're like, I'm not sure I can make it through tomorrow. Just kill me now, Lord. He has supernatural food given to him. He travels for 40 days, and then we get here. I'm just trying to keep it in context for you. Yes. Amen. Look at verse 11. 1 Kings 19, verse 11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. You know what the Lord is about to do when he passes by? He's about to quiet Elijah's soul from killing 850 prophets of Baal, from literally calling fire down from the sky, the miracle of outrunning a chariot, some ridiculous super ultra marathon amount, getting fed by angels and wanting to die. At least that's just him. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Stay with me here. 
I know you're a biblically literate church. I love that about you. Don't get too far ahead of me in your thoughts right now. Okay? I know, I know that, that just about every person in this room can preach a sermon on this, on this passage. Just go with me. Just, just walk through with me, okay? Powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Somebody say earth, wind, and fire. Earth, wind, and fire. I just hear tunes in my head sometimes. That's all. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Amen. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? We're so familiar with this passage. You know that God often speaks to us in the quiet. What if the mountain, what if the, the, the wind and the earthquake and the fire were merely a reflection of what was going on on the inside of Elijah? Mm. What if this wind that was tearing something up was trying to show Elijah what he was actually feeling? What if it was more than God trying to get his attention? He already had his attention. He had traveled for 40 days to get here. He had spent the night in the cave. The Lord was already talking to him. Why wouldn't he have just said in a whisper what he wanted to say? Why wouldn't he have just cut to the chase? Or is it what we're learning in Jeremiah on Monday nights that God is trying to evoke something on the inside of us? He's trying to do more than give you data. He is trying to show you what he is feeling about what's going on inside of you and what must take place in you. What if the fire, what if the earthquake, what if the wind was just signs of what was really going on on the inside of Elijah? Yeah. That's the amount of chaos that he was had that was just ripping him apart, that was shaking him to his core, that was burning him up on the inside. What if there was something else going on, just more than a whisper that you've heard about so many times? This idea that even powerful men of God have to learn how to be quiet. Yeah. Elijah is showing us this here. He's showing us that this great man of God with all the anointing, maybe, maybe the prophet of prophets, is having to learn the same lesson that everybody in this room is having to learn today. Yeah. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. You're not being disqualified. God's showing you how to be quiet so that you can speak up. Prophets transfer the impact that God's word has on them. In this state, it was pretty difficult for Elijah to transfer that impact because he couldn't hear. God's giving him the solution of how to return back to his function. So the question that was asked where Pastor ended was, what are you doing here, Elijah? In verse 14, he begins to answer. And this is you and me as we're having our private dialogue with, with the king of kings. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. It's exactly with that attenuation, right? The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, 
put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Teshuvah. Turn back the opposite direction and go back to where you were rightly functioning in me. And go to the desert of dependency. I mean, Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. The story continues. But what's happening here in verse 14 in his response back to the Lord is actually a reiteration of what he says in verse 10, right before some of that dialogue. And what's happening is now we have the same inner chaos on repeat over and over again. It's not settled after God uh, speaks to him the first time. See, but well, like Pastor just said, he had experienced a face-to-face -face encounter with multiple supernatural events of God showing that he's with him. I mean, how many times have you encountered multiple supernatural events and it's not getting to that inner chaos just yet? God begins to patiently, like a good father, work with you to help you settle that inner chaos. He's helping him by saying, son, be quiet. Calm your chaos. That internally, like pastor said, there is that, that violence of wind, that breath that wants to tear mountains apart. There's that fire that wants to scorch everyone around you and how they're wrong and you want to burn them. There's that earthquake. I just want to shake this until it crumbles because I can't do anything about it. And realize, what if Elijah has all of this happening inside of him while he's just sitting on a rock in that cave and being still on the outside? But it's all happening on the inside. So what does this look like for us? Man, what's going on in my work if this this is in the way, and this person's a thorn in my side, and burn this, and destroy that, and shake this. It's also in my, my marriage of my wife, and my husband, and my kids, and da-da-da, and then discipleship. Everybody else is advancing way past me. There's nothing I can do about it. Earth, wind, fire. Earth, wind, fire. Earth, wind, fire. No matter where it goes. It's that inner chaos, but the whole time you may be physically sitting as still as a statue, but it's going on in the inside. Praise God, we have a good father who helps us calm the chaos on the inside so that we can begin to act like him on the outside. Amen. And the solution that he's given them is exactly what I said earlier. Repent. Go back. Go back the way you came. Go back to your mezuzah. Go back to your function. Speak from a place of confidence in God rather than a surety of your own inner chaos. Take that inner chaos. Lay it at the feet of the king. Say, God, I trust that you can do more with all of these situations than I can. And it's obvious I'm not doing a very good job of it right now. He wants him to go to the desert of dependency. And get this. This is part of that solution. That by returning back to his function, his mezuzah, it then becomes about somebody else. It's not about him. It's about the king of Aram. Say, hey, go to that backside of the desert again. Go hunt this man down. Go look for this man specifically to anoint him as king because my plan, like in Moses' day, it's got to move forward. 
How much is God waiting on us just to hear his still small voice to quiet our inner chaos? Because he's ready to go use us in an even more powerful way. I got something I want you to do, Juan. I got something I need you to do, Susan. Spencer, Adam, everybody in this room, God is looking for you to go do that next thing for the person that he is designed to put in front of you. But you first got to calm that inner chaos. That's part of what chaos does on the inside of you. Pastor said something, and I just want to touch on it really briefly, and then we're going to move on. The repeating patterns, the repeating phrases, the repeating thoughts in your mind, that's not you praying about something. Can I just encourage you? That's not you bringing it before the Lord. If it is on an endless loop on the inside of you, that is a form of chaos, and it is, it is rattling your very confidence. And what God is doing is you need to shut those things up. Amen. That repeated cycle. See, that's what it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's not you being quiet and speaking up. That's some chaotic form on the inside of you that's blowing and it's trying to tear you apart. That's trying to shake you right at your confidence and burn away all the things that God has done in you. Yeah. Mm. You need to hear what I'm saying to you. These constant phrases that someone else is getting some advantage that you're not getting. Be quiet. Amen. That someone else has something that you just don't have. Be quiet. That, 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 there's a, that there's some favoritism from the heavens upon that one that you just don't get. And, and you just don't understand. It's just harder for me. Be quiet so that you can speak up with all the power of the heavens. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. I know that it got quiet because I'm feeling God's spirit working on you in very specific ways right now. I can feel it. Acts chapter 1. Get it, daughter. Acts chapter 1. Let's start in verse 8. Because God has already given you the path that you need. What did he tell Elijah? Go back the way you came. You've already been given what you need. Go back. Let's go anoint a king. Let's go find your replacement. Let, let, let's go ahead and get after. I got more for you to do. Quit your whining. Be quiet because I got things that I need you to say. I need you to anoint another king. I need you to go find Elisha who is plowing and tilling and working the soil. I, need, I got stuff for you to do. I'm not interested in what you think. I'm not interested in the chaos. It's just time to tell the chaos to be quiet because God has something that he wants you to say. Amen. Acts 1 and verse 8 says, but you will receive power. Somebody say power. Power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I got something that I want you to do. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. So let's pretend like this is not one of the most read passages in your life. I don't know, I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to do it again with you here. Verse 10. They were looking up intently into the sky as he was going. This is the ascension of the Christ. Okay? They are watching Jesus in resurrected form 
take off into the sky. And they're looking at it. Do you know why? Because it's the Messiah going off into the clouds. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? <laughs> Is this a rhetorical question? Jesus was just here, and he is literally not standing anymore. He is going up into the cloud like a balloon being released into the sky. <laughs> I thought I might enjoy this for a moment, and of course I'm looking at it as he is going up. Y'all just read. Sometimes, sometimes we all read the word too quickly. Put yourself right here. This same Jesus who has been taken up into heaven, uh, taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The word of the Lord told Elijah to go back the same way. Jesus is going to come back the same way. I wonder if we should go back and look at the same way that God has already spoken to us. Yes. I wonder if the ascension of the Christ is not enough to allow you a moment to go, man, my, my, my mind is blown. These, <laughs> these two men dressed in white standing beside them are like, you need to go ahead and get quiet inside of you. I know that was exciting, but you got things that I want you to go say. He's going to come back, but you got work to do. If the ascension of the Christ is not enough of an excuse for you not to be quiet, then what are we waiting on? Yeah. You have something that you are assigned to do, and he's already given it to you. He's already given it to this church. He's already been speaking it to you. The thought that you don't have what you need, you just need to tell it to be quiet so that you can speak up and do exactly what the God of all creation has already given to you to do. Yeah. And you're going to do it in the same way that he did it. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Somebody say power. power. Power to be quiet and power to speak up is what we're going to look at. Acts chapter 2. Let's look at verse 14. Before we begin reading this verse, we're all, all too familiar about Peter. Peter is one of the greatest examples that encapsulates everyone in the room. Wrestling with fear, wrestling with insecurities, wrestling with a mouth that is too big, wrestling with speech that is too small, denying Jesus verbally out loud, and with his silence. That we see a man who was in the position just like us, unable to be quiet in his own soul. But there was an experience that he had, an experience of being restored by Jesus. Jesus telling him three times, go feed my sheep. And then a further restoration of experiencing the baptism of the Holy Ghost, receiving the fulfillment of exactly what pastor just read in Acts chapter one. And after receiving it, participating in that empowerment, what was happening in that moment is that he was able to quiet his soul. And then he knew exactly what he needed to do to speak up. 
In Acts 2.14, it says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. You see, whenever you are walking in that way of what God has made you to do, going back to what you're called to, what he said you were designed to do, to feed the sheep, in the case of Peter, you're then able to quiet that inner chaos. And you'll be able to, you're able to then confidently stand up with the brothers, raise your voice, and address a crowd. I'm not only speaking to those of you who have a strength of speaking and communicating. Not just to all the extroverts in the room. I'm specifically speaking to the, those of you who are very comfortable being quiet externally. Because internally, there's an earthquake, wind, and fire of chaos. This is me. Oh, I, I, I long to just be a fly in a room full of people and just add one or two little sewed bombs and everyone applaud and then every, I would be seen as great. But when called upon to stand up, raise my voice, and address a crowd, you guys know my armpits would sweat. Inner chaos would ensue. But where I stand now, like Peter, I'm a man who has quieted my soul. Chaos has been crushed. And the power of God is giving me exactly what I need to do to speak up and do the exact same thing Peter's doing here. He goes on to say, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. When you're getting to that point that you are telling your inner soul to be quiet, you're then going to speak up with words of weightiness, words that have lasting and eternal effect. When we read it, what Peter said and the discourse that he went through, it set the precedent of how to rightly understand the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that had been prophesied hundreds of years beforehand. He was able to give clarity of what they were experiencing in their day and time in the face of naysayers in opposition. What are we looking forward to? We're looking forward to being the mouthpiece of God during dark days and having weighty words that have lasting and eternal impact. But we got to steal the inner voice of what's happening inside of us so that we can move forward with God's will. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that prayers, I'm sorry, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. Now, you know that Paul is not encouraging some lackluster, timid perspective on the world. He's saying that we can live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness, in all holiness. You know that that takes a man or a woman to be filled with the power of the heavens. This is good. And this pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of truth. 
Paul is giving Timothy instructions for himself and for all the people that Timothy would lead. He wants them to understand what is pleasing to God. The very God who wants all men to be saved. The very God who wants everyone to come to a knowledge of truth. So listen to what Paul is setting this up with Timothy. He's saying you got to pray about these things. Not just have something that's on repeat, but you actually have to take these things to the Lord. You want to learn what it's like to quiet the chaos? you got to learn to take things to the Lord instead of just letting it churn like a wind, like a fire, like an earthquake. You have to understand what authority is about, and you have to learn how to be quiet. This is, what the state, this is the stage that's being set by Paul to Timothy here. Now let's look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, Therefore I want the men everywhere to pray lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. There is no disconnect in thought or solution from where we started in verse 1 and then leading here into verse 11 and 12. The continuance is this, is there is an establishment of authority, a command for people to pray and offer petitions about all things, but particularly for those in authority. We're starting with the flow of shalom, the institution of leadership that God has set, and then is rightly descending upon the men. Did you hear that? I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without inner chaos, without anger, without disputing that's there. You want your prayers to be heard? Tell your inner chaos to be quiet in the name of Jesus, and therefore your words that you will speak up will have heavenly impact. Well, it continues, and let me show you exactly how. He says, I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety. The topic has not changed. It still has to do with inner chaos. It still has to do with deep levels of insecurity in you ladies that want to adorn the outside while you have neglected what's going on on the inside. That what God is wanting to do and what Paul is saying here is that the solution for you is quietness. And I don't mean the silencing of your speech, although sometimes it may include that. But what it means is silencing your soul that's causing you to look for affirmation outside what God has already ordained. You want the praise of men? Be a woman who fears the Lord and rightly walks in his word. Let the beauty come from a quiet and gentle spirit like 1 Peter says that it is. Look, there is a turning point, a pivotal turning point in my wife's life. And it has to do with this very scripture. It's learning how to rightly relate to authority while quieting her own soul and being able to simultaneously speak up. My wife is extremely gifted at speaking. Very good. She didn't explain anything. And it'll make sense. But when her inner chaos was there, everything that she would say would also be in chaos. God turned this around in my wife years ago. I watched my wife be transformed in an instant, husbands, 
in an instant. Now, we have been fighting for this transformation for many years, but the Word of God solved it. And this Word was the scripture that was shared during worship tonight. It's Isaiah 30, 15. It's printed on her Bible, and she has a beautiful painting of it as well. Isaiah 30, 15 says this. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And I can proudly say that the way that this verse concludes no longer defines my wife. The verse concludes, but you would have none of it. I can stand and say that my wife has put her trust in this. She has been transformed. Wives, you want to see an example of how this can turn around in your life? Sit down with my wife and ask her about this verse. Get her to share this testimony with you. It's powerful, and I see the fruit of it in her now. And what that looks like is being my easer is that she is able to be quiet in her inner soul while simultaneously being an easer who speaks up with words of wisdom that are like precious gems to me as a pastor, precious gems to me as a father. That what we've been developing and maximizing our marriages is for your benefit, ladies and husbands, to rightly work as one simultaneously being quiet and speaking up. Ladies, Pastor Matt just gave you the key. Everybody wants to have their voice heard. You want to have weighty words? Have a quiet, submitted spirit, and your words will explode because they actually have the power of the heavens upon yeah, them. They do. This is not an insult to women anywhere. This is the solution. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. By the way, it doesn't make any sense if you go back to verse 8, therefore I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. If this isn't more about the inner state, then you're going to have your hands raised while you're fussing at somebody? That doesn't make any sense. He's speaking to the men just like he's speaking to the women. He's saying you need to be right on the inside so that when you have holy hands lifted, they're actually reaching the heavens. Yeah. It's more than just a female that can't speak. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She has to have a quiet spirit about her. You guys notice that when Miss Joe comes forward, we just hand her the microphone if she wants to prophesy? Yes. Are we violating the scripture? No. No. It is because of this, because she has submitted to her husband, that we just say, you're in submission. If Natalie Arigina walks, I don't ask her. We will vet everyone else in the room. We just hand the microphone and get ready to hear from God. It's because they have a quiet, gentle spirit. This is more than just for women. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 19. Oh, get it. Revelation 19 and verse 7. <laughs> How about we say, speak up when you get there? There you go. Oh, yeah. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Somebody give the Lord glory in this house. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, 
and his bride has made herself ready. See, this isn't just for the women to learn in quietness and submission. Men, it's for us too. It's for us to get our, the, our inner turmoil quiet so that we can speak up. This is for everybody in this house tonight. Amen. To have you have the ability to be able to say, be quiet, chaos. I may look one way on the outside, but if I've got chaos on the inside, then I am not able to speak up. I am not able to do. I am not a bride that has made herself ready. What if it's not about your ability to preach, but about your ability to quiet the chaos on the inside of you mm. that you need? What if it's not about an anointing to be able to prophesy, but about you being able to be quiet and make yourself ready as a bride? What if it's not that you have to worry about provision, but rather that you need to be quiet so that you can do whatever it is that he's telling you to do? You gotta make yourself ready tonight. As you're leading your home, men, you gotta learn to be quiet on the inside. You can't be fearful and chaotic when you're leading your wife. Amen. You need to be quiet so that you can speak up and embolden your wife when she's being a good easer to you and speaking to you and encouraging you and helping you. If you're not quiet, you may even take the good things that your wife is doing and be so insecure as a leader that you're not taking the right kind of practical advantage of having the easier that God gave you. You gotta be quiet so that you can speak up when she needs your help so she can get quiet on the inside. Amen. The answer is the same for men and for women. See, the great news that you have today is that you can do this. Yes. God is not speaking this to us because it's a message for someone else somewhere else. Now, he's good enough that when you listen to this sermon years from now, it will still be for you. It will still be blessing you. It may hit you in 10 different kind of ways than it did tonight, but it will still move on your soul because he is in it. I love how he does that. That's amazing to me. But you can do this tonight. You have got 55 days worth of training on how to be quiet in the right ways inside of you so you can speak up, so you can stand up, so you can get done the will of God. You've got 19 years worth of it as a church here from the very beginning teaching us how to be quiet in the right kind of ways so that when you speak up, it's got the power of the heavens on your words. Amen. I promise you that's what you want. I promise you, you think it's, it's some alliteration, it's some technique. It's not about technique. I think our lives are proving that to you. It is about a stillness on the inside that God can mold, that God can empower, that God can call his presence to fall on you. So when you speak, it's his words in your mouth. That takes somebody who's got quietness on the inside. And God is going to help you with it tonight. He's already given it to you. He's already helping you. He's just calling it to your attention so that you can actually walk in it, so that you can actually accomplish it tonight. You have what you need. I want to read this to you. Everybody just look up at me. 2 Peter 1.3 says something we're very familiar with, but let's put it in context to who we are right now. His divine power has given us everything. Say everything. Everything. Everything we need for 
godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Ray and Ruby Pena, his divine power has given you as a couple everything you need. Let me hear you speak up and just say everything. Everything. Let me hear you, Ruby. Everything. Everything. Timon, you have everything you need for life and godliness. Let me hear you say everything. everything. Oh, that's powerful. You hear that? Michael, you have everything you need for life and godliness. Let me hear you shout everything. Everything. Oh, that's amazing. When you begin to get the revelation that his divine power is with you now and that you have everything, that empowers you to, to, to tell the chaos inside of you, be quiet. That then empowers you to speak up and speak with words that have eternal weighty impact what god is doing for us as a church let me remind you where we started is that he's giving us 11 sermons in this series to get us to this point we have ministries to multiply and you are going to be representing who god is when you're ministering in these meetings in your homes and everywhere else You're going to learn the responsibility of carrying around weighty words that affect the lives of others. And God is giving us the solution tonight to know how to rightly multiply ministries, rightly perfect our parenting and maximize our marriages. All together as a church, I want us to say the word everything. Everything. Stand to your feet with us tonight. As you're standing, Megan, would you put on the screen Psalm 84, verse 11 and 12? Psalm 84, 11 and 12 gives us the direction for our closing tonight. It says this, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Part of the chaos that we have is really driven from a faithlessness on the inside of us. It is as simple as we are afraid. We are faithless that God will do for us what he has actually promised. The source of your chaos is this. But the source of the answer is found in the scripture. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Let me tell you how to get your inner chaos quiet. You got to go back the way you came. Amen. You have to begin to operate in your mezuzah for other people. Technically, that's a little bit redundant, but I wanted to make sure that you got both of these. Your mezuzah is about how it impacts other people. You want to know the answer? Here's the answer. It is right here. As we begin to worship here in just a minute, the answer is not for you to continue to wallow in the chaos. 
not to continue to let it just boil on the inside, to let it quake on the inside, to let things be torn apart on the inside. The answer is for you to be able to speak up. Be quiet and speak up. Be quiet and go about the work that God has given you. Quit gawking at the risen, exalted Savior and go get to work. That blew my mind when I, when I caught that today. They are literally watching him ascend, and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. You got work to do. That's our answer tonight. Whatever chaos is going on, on the inside of you, be quiet and get about the work that God has put before you. Focus on other people. I can go around the room, and I am confident that most of you, your Abigail traits are all outward-focused, and most of your Nabal traits are inward-focused. Duh. Be quiet and speak up. Raise your hands up to the Lord. Mighty God, we love you, and we thank you that you are quieting chaos on the inside of us. That fears are getting crushed tonight. Because the fear is just faithlessness that you can't or you won't. We blame it and call it that we can't. No, no, that's not it. I'm just afraid I can't. Be quiet. We are quieting those chaotic thoughts. We're quieting the fear. We're quieting the fatalistic view that we have about everything that we engage with. Lord, we trust you. We're saying there is no good thing that you will